You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello and welcome to season four of Girls with Grass. I'm so excited to be back and recording another season of the podcast. It's hard to believe that we're already in season four. Um, So unfortunately today, if you're watching, you already know um, I am by myself today. I do have a guest, but my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox was unable to join us. Um, So, but she'll be on the next one. Don't worry, she'll be there. Um, So you'll have to tune into our next podcast to hear back from her. But um, I'm really excited to be launching, like I said, this next season of the podcast. Um, And what better week to do it than National Burn Awareness Week? So if you're new to the burn community, new to the podcast, or new to Phoenix Society, um, it is National Burn Awareness Week. It's happening all week long. Um, this week is a window of opportunity for organizations to mobilize burn, fire, and life safety educators to unite in sharing common burn awareness and prevention messages in our community. So National Burn Awareness Week is hosted by the American Burn Association. And this year's theme is to spread awareness for preventing flammable liquid burn injuries. Um, Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors participates in National Burn Awareness Week every single year. Um, You know, we lift up the voices of our burn survivors who have been impacted. Um, We help share the why on, you know, why these prevention messages are so important. And we help build awareness um, to, you know, to the lifelong impacts of burn injuries. So, We'll talk more about Burn Awareness Week in a little bit, um, but first let me introduce today's guest and Phoenix partner. So today's podcast is powered by Allosource. Allosource is one of the largest human tissue providers honoring tissue donors by creating innovative skin allografts to help burn surgeons heal patients. You can learn more about Allosource and their continuing education hours by visiting our resource marketplace, which is linked below. It's also linked in the show's description if you're listening to this podcast. So be sure to learn more about Allosource. So without further ado, let me introduce today's guest. I know, sorry, you guys, you're going to be hearing a little bit more of my voice today than normal, um, but I'm really excited to have on the president of the American Burn Association. I mean, what better time than National Burn Awareness Week? So today we have on Dr. Robert Cartado. He is a plastic surgeon and reconstructive surgeon and burn intensivist at the Ross Tilly Burn Center in Toronto, Canada. He is a professor at the Temerily Facility of Medicine Department of Surgery at the University of Toronto. And as I mentioned, he currently serves as the president of the American Burn Association. His research interests span the continuum of burn care and he has been particularly interested in burn shock resuscitation, long, or sorry, lung injury and medical ventilation after burns, surgical techniques and outcomes for burns of the hands and face, and the development of clinical practice guidelines for burn care. Outside of work, he prefers being at his cabin rather than the city, and he is an amateur artist and avid back, 
backcountry camper. So Dr. Cardado, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a, it's a huge pleasure to be here. Yes. Really excited to, to be interviewed by you. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you could join us. Um, you know, I know I just read your bio, but I'm sure I'm missing some stuff. So um, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself and especially how you got involved in burn care. Um, sure. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, I got interested in burns when I was a medical student. Um, a professor gave us a lecture on burns. I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. Um, so I, you know, I read a bit about it and realized, oh, I really like this. And so I did this elective uh, in Toronto at the burn center. And I was just so turned on to burn care. Um, and, it, you know, it really, it was the burn care team, honestly. And I've talked about this a few times over the fall. People always ask me how I got interested in burns, and it, it was the um, team of caregivers um, that just inspired me. That such a, a wonderful group of people with a, a common passion um, and um, desire to, to do this kind of work, and it just took off from there. And uh, here I am, 35 years later, <laughs> still doing burn care. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, so many burn survivors and caregivers too. You know, they talk back about, you know, that burn care team that took care of them in the hospital. And, you know, I feel like we all kind of have that like one nurse or one doctor that really just sticks with you throughout your journey. And you always have a special place for them. So that's, that's an awesome story. It's funny you say that because I feel the same way about many of our burn survivors. Like, I mean, obviously I treat a lot of patients and many just come and go and you never see them again, but there's many that I've um, formed um, decades long relationships with, and even when they're finished their, their treatment, um, you know, I still stay in touch and, uh, get emails and sometimes cards and, uh, you know, and, and it's almost like they become family in a way. So, mm -hmm. so it's, it's the survivors as well that really, um, has made the, you know, my, my, my job so rewarding. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure too, you know, just keeping up, even if you're not treating a patient or a survivor anymore, but, you know, seeing them out living life to the fullest and enjoying life and thriving after a burn injury is just so rewarding to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So that may actually lead me into my next question and maybe your answer, but what do you enjoy most about working with the burn survivor community? Um, I think what it is, is um, the journey they make. Um, and it's taken me years to figure that out. I mean, I, I knew I liked working with them, but I, as I work with more and more survivors, I realize um, that, that, and I understand better that what they do is they're starting a journey um, from the time of their injury until, and, and it may be lifelong, maybe it goes on forever. And when I finally realized that, wow, that's how they, conceptualize this, um, it, it was really meaningful. It really resonated with me because I, I have the privilege of seeing them at all these steps in their journey. Um, and, and I have patients who had so much difficulty and trouble when they, um, you know, first emerged from the burn unit and, and went through all the, you know, difficulties that any burn survivor is aware of. And ever so slowly, they they get back to life and they get back to doing things and sharing things and, and loving people. And so it's, it's really great to see the, the progress. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, that's awesome. So I know you're 
every day probably looks a little bit different for you, but what's like a day in the life um, in your in your role um, with the burn community? Um, well, it starts in the burn center. So I, you know, I uh, work from here in Toronto, and so uh, some weeks I just do uh, critical care in the burn unit. So these are when patients are really really sick and they've just been admitted. So. So I may spend a week doing that, and then another week um, will be followed in the operating room, and I, I'm doing the surgery, like the acute surgery, the grafting, uh, and then um, sometimes burn reconstruction when people have been discharged and come back for, for reconstructive work. Um, most weeks, uh, outpatient clinics, so we're seeing follow-up uh, patients, at, as I say, at all stages in their journey. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have some weeks worth downtime um, and just research. You know, I'll, I'll be able to do research or work on uh, ABA uh, commitments, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of a typical kind of pattern for me. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, and, you know, I think this is probably kind of stemming a little from COVID too, that we've seen a lot of, you know, I don't know if problems or concerns are the right word, but healthcare, the healthcare industry has obviously been so impacted, um, especially since COVID. But what are some of the challenges that you're seeing right now for whether it's in the burn center or just for burn care professionals to like researchers as a whole? Yeah, it's, um, it's a difficult time um, because um, we've lost a lot of our uh, nurses. Um, like the burn nurses are really the backbone of, of the burn team. They're the heart of the team and they're the backbone. And um, with COVID, um, so many of them left. I mean, it was tough. Like it was being a nurse during that era was really awful. Uh, it was hard, a lot of stress and a lot of people retired early and, and left. And so, so we lost our core group of nurses. And when I talked to other burn centers in North America, like it's the same phenomenon. I, I'm surprised every time I'm talking to somebody and you know, Southeast U.S. or Western U.S., that it's the same story. It's like we've lost our nurses. They, mm -hmm. And so this is the biggest challenge right now. And and the people that are left, I think, still have a little bit of residual burnout. Um, and and it's hard. And, and it's, um, you know, it's it, how do you fix that? Um, and I, I have mm -hmm. ideas about that, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's tough. It's a big challenge right now, and and so we have to we have to somehow recruit um, new people in, into the field and get them excited about burn care, and hopefully they'll stay. Mm -hmm. I will build. It's just we're at a bit of a low point right now. Yeah, yeah. My um, my sister in law is a nurse. She works in an ICU an ICU unit. Um, so while she's not treating burns, but she's certainly, you know, I can still tell that there's that burn out there yeah. that you mentioned, you know, it doesn't just suddenly get better. And especially when you're working with small teams um, and less resources, obviously that's going to impact every unit of a hospital, not just the the burn center. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice, I guess, would you give or tips maybe to someone who's just starting out their career in the burn care? Or what would you want them to know, too? Um, you mean starting out as a burn care provider? Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess the tip that I think is most important is um, take every um, advantage you can of your colleagues around you in the sense that, like, learn from them, stay connected to them. 
let them mentor you. Um, like the people that are going to keep you in burn care are, are the colleagues around you. So, so I really emphasize that it's, it's really important for people to think about being part of a team, um, being part of a very special group of caregivers and, and really take pride in that work. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think, uh, it's very, very difficult care. I think as everybody knows, if you do burn care, it's tough work. Um, probably some of the toughest in any medical specialty, I'd argue. And the the thing that keeps everybody in is is that team approach and staying connected to each other. And and that means everybody on the team, um, whether it's the pharmacist or the psychologist or the rehab therapist, it's all sort of one big family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up a great point too, because you know I'm learning in my role too just so much more about really the behind the scenes of what really happens in the burn unit. Um, you know, I used to think, oh, well, I had my burn surgeon, I had my physical therapist, and I had my nurses, and that is kind of where obviously I knew there was other roles there, but like you said, the the pharmacist, I mean, the occupational therapist, there's so many more roles. Yeah. Um, that really go into the the continuum of care. Yeah, and even you know it's funny like even our um, even our cleaning staff like we have a small group of people that only clean the burn unit and they form connections with the patients. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and we have orderlies. Um, we don't call them orderlies anymore, but I still I'm I'm kind of old school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have you know assistants um, uh, that help out. Uh, they're not nurses, but they're they're care assistants. And mm -hmm. those people form connections with the patients. Um, mm -hmm. And it's that group. We consider everybody who works up here part of the team. And, and it's a great group of people. I was inspired to uh, part, you know, one of the people who inspired me to go into this field was one of our orderlies. Uh, he just retired after almost 40 years of practice. And um, he was one of the very first people I met as a med student. And this guy was so passionate about what he was doing. It, you couldn't help but be inspired by it. And so, yeah, it's, it's important for all these people to recognize that they're, they're really special and, and important. So what is, what do you mean when you say orderly? I'm sorry. Oh, I don't yeah. actually know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, that's a really old, I'm sorry. It's a really old fashioned term. I think what now they're called their uh, personal, uh, I don't know, medical, I don't know, there's some name for them, but an orderly was somebody who wasn't a nurse. Um, but would be involved in a lot of the um, care of the patient, like moving mm -hmm. the patient, lifting the patient, during dressing changes, holding holding limbs up, all the really hard backbone kind of work mm -hmm. uh, while the nurses would do burn dressings. Um, and yeah, so that it's an old fashioned term, but they were, they provided care and no, they still do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. seems like they obviously fill such an important role. Yeah. Like you said, it, it's not just one person. Right. Um, providing that care. It takes the whole team. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So switching gears a little bit, um, when you are working with patients and survivors, what are some of the common questions or concerns that you hear most often? Well, um, from a physical side, um, the big one I think is itch um, in the <laughs> donor sites and in the grafted areas. Um, and the second is pain. Um, and it comes in all shapes and forms. And third is the tightness problem. So mm -hmm. inability to move properly um, or to the full extent that you want. So those are the three big ones from a physical side. Um, but psychologically, um, big ones are um, anxiety, 
um, and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe third, um, I guess the the difficulty of being out in public when you have obvious scars. Mm-hmm. Um, and and boy, I'm I'm always blown away by the stories I hear um, that survivors tell me uh, about how they can be out in public and people will say like the darndest things to them or complete strangers will come up and make a comment or ask a question. Um, and um, so that that's a common thing I hear among survivors that, that this is really hard and they get used to it. And, um, and we help them and our, some of our burn survivors um, that work in our outpatient clinic help them also with, mm-hmm. you know, what can you say? How do you, how do you respond to those and just have sort of strategies and, that's a common thing that's hard that I hear a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. And what we hear a lot too, and I mean, this is kind of obvious, but you know, when survivors are still in the hospital healing, they're so focused on that physical healing component, obviously, but they don't really think about the like emotional and mental side of the healing too. And that often only comes once they do go home and they start getting back out there and in those social situations. So, um, it's definitely, yeah, there's, there's multiple parts to the healing journey. It's not just one or the other. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I don't know, it's, I guess as I get further along my career, I, I spend more and more time talking about those aspects with survivors um, than I did earlier in my career. Because I think it takes time to learn that. Mm-hmm. You really have to be around survivors over a long time to really um, help understand better what, what they're going through. And I, I don't have it all worked out yet either, um, but I think I, I'm better at it now than I was 20 years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and you know, as a survivor myself, I can certain I certainly appreciate that because, you know, there are some times where, you know, when you go back to the hospital, you can really tell when your providers want you to live the best life that you can, and I'm no one expects any one person to have all the answers to all of our issues, but just knowing that you know, they want that for you. And it's not just all about the physical healing, but they want you to thrive in all aspects of your life. So, um, and we're still learning. Everyone's still learning. There's not a one size fits all for everyone either. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's, um, and maybe I said this too, it's a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, I guess, one of the most fascinating things about it all. Um, Mm -hmm. I meet more and more survivors. I just understand that better. It's, It's, yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely. the other thing that I, I guess you asked me earlier about one of the things that's most rewarding, but there are some patients years later and they'll say something like, um, that injury was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. And I, when I first heard that, I was floored. I, 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 how could that be? What do you mean? You can't be, you can't be real on that. Um, but they tell you about how it changed their lives. And, and so they grew. Mm-hmm. They, they changed and they grew and they're happier with themselves. Um, and that's phenomenal when you think about it. Like if that arose out of a you know, horrible injury, it's mm-hmm. really amazing to see that. Yeah, no, that it, you hear, I hear that all the time. And I agree with that. I wouldn't change it, you know, early yeah. on, when I'm first going through that healing process, of course, I'd want to take it back. I don't wish that upon anyone. But when you do get further out, and oftentimes there's so many opportunities that have come up for you. I mean, 
look, I'm working for Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors now. I probably wouldn't ever have been in this role if I wasn't a burn survivor myself. So it's, yeah, it, it does come full circle. Um, we hear a lot too, if you get asked like, oh, would you, do you wish your burn injury never happened? And people are like, no, it's like, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if glad's the right word, but you know, look at what has happened because of my injury now. Yeah, some survivors have gone on and, and not, well, some have gone on to do really amazing things and some some have just gone on to do things. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be as simple as, as finding a partner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they do amazing things and it, it's always gratifying. So getting back mm-hmm. to your, one of your earlier questions, that's yeah. what makes it rewarding for me is to see the, the personal growth that takes place in many of, many of the survivors. Mm-hmm, definitely. Awesome. Well, this kind of, again, leads me into some of the other questions I wanted to ask you, but um, I know we were talking right before we actually started recording that you've recently attended Phoenix World Burn Congress mm-hmm. um, this yeah. past fall. So, you know, just tell me a little bit more about your experience as a burn care professional attending that event and maybe some of the what you really enjoyed or the highlights for you. Yeah, it was um, it was such a an, it was the first one I've ever been to, and as I told you earlier before the interview, um, I, man, I wish I had started doing this earlier in my career. But I think, ah, oh, man, it was just the enthusiasm and sense of um, camaraderie among all these survivors that I mm-hmm. think was really inspiring. Um, they they all well, many of them know each other. They're, it's like you know, a reunion of, of sorts in a way. It's like going back to a university or a college reunion. Um, and I think the, the session that I found most rewarding uh, was um, a, an interview with two survivors. Um, and Rebecca Alelli, who's a burn OT at, at MedStar in DC, um, conducted the interview. And I told her this was an Oprah quality interview. <laughs> it was really well done. And one of the survivors had survived a self-inflicted burn injury. Um, and it was really interesting to hear her story um, because we see this more and more now. And I, I never know, you know, how, what happens after that? You survive it. Like, how do you get through that? How do you get past it? And this person could somehow manage to do that. And so it's a really helpful story for me to know when I talk to other survivors that maybe have had self-inflicted injuries. Um, so I think for me, that was the real highlight that stood out. Um, I mean, the sharing circles were great too. I mean, you, that, I mean, how can you not be inspired by those? But that, that interview was really, I thought, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Um, that was one of my favorite sessions from the weekend too. Um, I'm blanking on that survivor's name. I know the other one was Carrie, but I'm yeah. blanking on her name. Um, but yeah, I really resonated with her too. You know, obviously my injuries a lot different from hers, but just hearing her talk about finding that like self-love again, um, which is so important. And that's something we all struggle with burn survivor or not. Um, but the way she just kind of talked about coping with that, um, I feel like could really resonate, like I said, for, for everyone in that room. Yes. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. Well, we were so happy to have you at the conference. Um, And, you know, we always love when the 
burn care professionals come back and the nurses, like you said, it's kind of like a family reunion and it's even more awesome when you could go or see one of the providers that helped you at the event. I know that that happens um, every year, depending on location, of course, but um, I always love seeing those reunions too with folks. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to spill the beans or give away too much, but we're going to have some um, really interesting and I think rewarding sessions at the upcoming American Burn Association meeting um, involving some burn survivors. Um, I I think it's going to be a really exciting part of the uh, program. But I don't want to give it away <laughs> too soon. We won't give too much away, but let's right. switch gears. We can actually talk a little bit more about the American Burn Association because, sure. um, you know, some of our listeners may know about the organization. Some folks may be hearing it for the first time today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can talk a little bit about Burn Awareness Week in a second. But yes, the American Burn Association's annual meeting is coming up in April um, and it's in Chicago this year. Um, and Phoenix Society will be there. So I'm really excited about that. But can you just tell our listeners a little bit more about the ABA in general and that annual meeting as well? Yeah, sure. The uh, Well, so the American Burn Association, our, our mission is to improve the lives of everyone affected by burn care, by, by burn injury. And so, um, and that means everyone. Um, it could be the family member of a burn survivor, for example. It, it's, it's a wide ranging uh, mission. And so we're a volunteer organization. We're a, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, we, um, you know, uh, are interested in all aspects of burn care, from prevention uh, to acute care to recovery, reintegration, burn research. We we cover all those areas, and so we have initiatives and strategic priorities in in all of those areas. Um, and uh, we have a staff in Chicago of about 18 or 20 people, and um, they run the organization. Um, but it's really the volunteers. It's, it's the burn care community that forms the committees and, and does the work of the organization. Um, and we have uh, over 2,000 members. And it's um, a multidisciplinary organization. Um, so. It's physicians, it's nurses, it's rehabilitation therapists, it's psychologists, nutritionists, um, you know, pharmacists, anybody else you can think of on the burn care team. Uh, it, it, and that to me is the single biggest value of that organization is its multidisciplinary uh, nature. And it's it's a really inspiring, fun meeting to be at every year. Um, I, I went to my first meeting as a medical student and again, it was the same thing. I was, I just was astounded by this group of people <laughs> that really loved what they did, and that, that that inspired me into my career pathway. Uh, it was one of the things that did. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit about the ABA and our, our annual meeting is a week of education and fun and reunion and connection and community. Um, so it's it's just a wonderful group of people. Yeah, I I got to attend my first one um, last year, actually. I was supposed to go in 2020, uh, but then obviously it was canceled due to COVID. And then I can't remember why I didn't go in between those years, but um, I was so excited to attend uh, my first one last year. It was, it was so much fun. Plus, 
at the time I knew, but not everyone else knew that that's where we're hosting Phoenix World Burn Congress in 2025. Oh. So it was perfect for me because I got to get the lay of the land uh, before our conference <laughs> goes there. But but yeah, yeah it, it was really rewarding for me to, like I said, kind of meet the burn care professionals. Um, yeah. I work obviously with them, but I, I'm really focused on that, the burn survivor and burn and the caregivers, excuse me. So it was really great to see and hear more from the burn care professionals. And um, it's funny too, because like we were talking earlier, some folks had known about Phoenix Society, for example, and been involved in burn care for their entire career. And then I also met so many new burn nurses and burn doctors who that was also their first ABA or second ABA, and they were still learning everything about the organization. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to go to Chicago again this year. So um, if you are attending or if you are interested. I'll be there. Yes. (laughs) Well, we know you'll be there for sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of your job. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll have um, a link in the art show's description um, for the ABA as well as the annual meeting. So, um, if you have questions or want to learn more, be sure to check those out. So going back a little bit to um, National Burn Awareness Week. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, it is this week and it's hosted by the American Burn Association. So this year's theme is focused on flammable liquid burns. Um, and when I was even typing this up, you know, I forget all of the flammable liquids that even I have in my house. At first I'm like, oh, like I don't have those, but duh, of course I do. Um, You know, from cooking oil and rubbing alcohol and lighter fluid, those are just a few of the examples that I know I have at my house. So most folks probably have one of those items at their house as well. So all week long, um, the American Burn Association and Phoenix Society will be sharing information and graphics on social media. So be sure to check out some of the resources, especially from the ABA. Um, But I don't know if you have anything else you want to share on National Burn Awareness Week. Um, I know it's a really important week, you know, for that prevention um, side of things and really spreading the message and in, in educating others. Well, I think you've said it all. I, I don't have much to add. Uh, it's a it's a really important week in the in the calendar, um, and yeah, I'm excited for it too. So I think you gave yeah. a really good description of it, actually. <laughs> well, I got that from the ABA's website, so oh, okay. I can't take I can't take credit for all of it. All right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you are um, looking to find more resources, like I said, check out the ABA and our Facebook channel as well. Um, Prevention is really important because, you know, we obviously all want to support preventing more burn injuries from happening. Um, And I find it even now as a burn survivor that there's still things that I'm not even aware of or that I am lacking, which is sad to me because I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm a burn survivor. I've had a burn injury. How am I not 100 percent like 10 out of 10 of my prevention measures? So you know, folks who don't know a burn survivor or know maybe a friend of one, you know, this is really important to help spread that awareness and help educate others on, you know, especially this week for flammable liquids, but in general, all the safety prevention measures that we should all be taking at home, at work, everywhere. Yeah, it all starts with prevention. So Mm -hmm. very, very important. Yeah, good messages there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
As And I also shared at the beginning, you are the president of ABA. We said that you're going to be at the annual meeting, of course. But how did you first get involved at with the ABA? I know you said that you attended your first annual meeting as a med student, but how did you really get connected and involved with the organization? Um, slowly and progressively. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I joined as a, as I mentioned, as a trainee and I kept maintaining my membership and got to know people, um, made connections and joined committees and just kept getting involved with as many things as I could. And eventually uh, was given some leadership roles on different committees and just kind of worked my way up. And all along, it's, it's about the people in that organization. It, um, mm -hmm. I, I just can't say enough. Like it, I can't imagine my career um, as a burn surgeon without the ABA. Like it, it's just, it's, it's almost part of my fabric. It's like, it's important to me and it's, it's just part of who I am in a way. And I just can't imagine doing this job without being part of that organization. And, um, and so, you know, over the years, just kind of worked my, worked my way up and uh, yeah. here I am. <laughs> that's yeah that's a that's amazing um so i don't know all the roles you know of being the president of aba or kind of what all goes into that but are there any i guess like key messages or key initiatives that you're really hoping to achieve in your role yeah i think you know the one that i'm most interested in is building a um, even stronger bond with the phoenix society um, and, and the aba um, I think our organizations can give so much to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to see that um, relationship grow and develop um, because um, we're inspired by you. Um, and But I've heard that um, burn survivors are also very, in a way, inspired by their caregivers. And you, mm -hmm. you alluded to that earlier in the interview. And so it's a, it's a fantastic symbiotic relationship. And I really want to see that nurtured. Um, so, so I, I would say for me, that's kind of the main thing I'm hoping for this year and mm -hmm. I hope it grows and we're going to have some really, as I mentioned, exciting stuff at the annual meeting to help kind of foster that relationship. And yeah. Something I'm definitely interested in. Yeah, no, that's, I love to hear that because that's exactly what we want as well. Um, right. I know Amy's and Sandra too, um, who's right now our interim director of programs, she both of them are helping out with some of the events at the annual meeting, I believe, and they're both really excited. Um, and it's coming up quick. I know it's going to be is. here uh, before <laughs> we know it. So <laughs> it seemed much further away, but I still have to write my not. speech. <laughs> well, then you have some work cut out for you. I know. <laughs> the deadline's looming. <laughs> yes. Well, that's okay. If hey, if the deadline hasn't hit yet, then you're not still yet. good. So. I have time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well. No, that's that's exciting to hear because, like I said, that's you know what we want as well. And it is funny how we kind of started this whole interview talking about that connection of what we both get inspired by. So um, that that need for the connection is certainly there. Yeah. Um, aside from the annual meeting and you know growing our partnership, is there anything else that you're really excited for this year with ABA or even in your role as a burn surgeon as well? Yeah. Um... You know, one yeah, you mentioned that that I'm interested in um, clinical practice guidelines. So these are um, guidelines that we work on for burn care providers in different aspects of burn care. So this is something I'm really interested in. And 
Um, we've been building it and I've been working on this through my presidency and I'll be working on it, you know, after I'm finished. Um, so that's something I, I, you know, I'm very passionate about and, and want to see develop. Um, we also recently held a, a research and advocacy um, summit. So this was a, a you know, a, a meeting where we tried to figure out what our main priorities are in burn research and advocating for any element of burn care. It could be provision. It, it could be, uh, you know, improving the quality of care, um, any element. So, so that was a, a fun exercise and we're hopefully finishing that process off and we'll have a, a bit of a summary of our um, research and advocacy roadmap. So those are a couple other things. Yeah, that's really yeah. exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more, and maybe it doesn't have to be related to that initiative with advocacy research, but, you know, we often will help you know, find survivors or caregivers to help take part in research surveys and studies. But can you tell us a little bit more of like what goes in behind the scenes before the study and then even that process after of, you know, analyzing data? That's easy for me to say, but I know it's so much more in depth than that. Yeah. Well, studies always start with a question. Um, and that that's what drives a study. So it, it and it's funny, people don't always, you know, even people in the medical field don't understand that. And it, all it takes is a simple question um, that hasn't been answered before or has been partially answered. And once you have that question, then you start to think about, well, okay, how could I study this? Uh, how can mm -hmm. I set up a, a design of a study that will answer my question for, for me? And sometimes you can do this. Well, there's many ways to do that. You can look back at data. You can try and look forward at data. You can do um, actual trials where you compare groups of patients. Um, in real time, uh, prospectively. Um, sometimes it means survey. Sometimes it means um, doing what we call qualitative research, where we would talk to survivors just like you and, and get your impressions of things, um, ask you questions, and that qualitative information can be very, very valuable to a researcher and ultimately the people who read the research. And then after that, you've set up your design. You have to often find money <laughs> to, to run a study, and that's always a big challenge. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard part of the process, but, um, you know, if you stay with it, eventually you'll get funding, and then you conduct your study. <laughs> mm -hmm. Analyze results, write it up. Sounds easy when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is and it isn't. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, as a as a burn researcher it's something you enjoy and um so yeah the whole every step of the process is it's uh, something you like doing and it's exciting mm -hmm. to conduct a study and get those results and like when you, you know, you've done all the legwork and you start seeing the results come in and analyzing them and maybe you find what you were thinking you were looking for maybe you don't yeah um, but it's it's exciting yeah for sure. Yeah. It's, so I'm going to give a quick plug because right now we are um, running our state of the survivor survey yeah. report. Yeah. So while that's definitely not, you know, a full medical or academic research um, project, but um, we are running it. So if you are a survivor and you're listening, um, please take just a few minutes to fill out that survey it's completely anonymous. It's also, you know, you don't have to answer any questions. No questions are required. Um, and by submitting it, you have a chance to win a Phoenix Board Burn Congress 2025 registration. So that's also really exciting. Um, but it's funny when you were talking about, 
you know, looking at the data because I've been just combing through it a little. And it's funny, like some of the things like, oh, I knew that, like, for example, itch and skin irritation and tightness is a common concern of, amongst burn survivors. Okay. What we knew is shown in the results, but then there's other things that pop up and I'm like, oh, I'm surprised to see that this is such a concern or that we're doing really well in this area. And maybe I didn't think we were. So um, it is fun to go through and just see, see the results. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I went through the 2022 state of the survivor report and I have to tell you one of the most astounding things I learned was that the number three, so they, they listed the top three concerns of burn survivors and number three, which was pretty close to two and one was that, um, the burn care provider community needed to be better educated about um, dealing with survivors. And I was floored by that. I, I thought, wow, like that's really um, identifying a really big gap in what we think we do. Mm -hmm. And that's so that's why I hope as many burn survivors will complete that survey mm -hmm. um, to give us that information. Um, and that's um, what that finding is driving one of the events we have planned for the ABA meeting, that single finding about how providers talk to burn patients and burn mm -hmm. survivors. We can learn so much. And so I, again, I don't want to give away too much, but that's going to be <laughs> a feature. <laughs> yes. So, well, I'm yeah. really excited um, yeah. for that annual meeting. And so see if you're listening and you were like, eh, I'm not going to take that survey you can really impact change in yeah. our community by just taking a few minutes to complete that survey. It's really important. So um, I'll have a link to that in our show's description as well. Um, there's a lot to check out today after after you're done listening. Um, and we, we always have other research, research opportunities going on as well. So if you're someone who maybe is up for doing more research opportunities, be sure to check those out. Um, and they're always ongoing and coming up. So be sure to follow us and stay tuned for more. So, um, well, I know we are coming up here on our time and I do have two final questions, but before we dive into those, is there anything else you want to share about yourself, ABA, anything that you want our listeners to know? Um, well, other than that, I'm incredibly honored to be on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, this has been like the best part of my day today, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, like it, this is just really um, enjoyable and uh, just I, I can't thank you enough for inviting me on this podcast. It's, it's of great. course. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And thank yeah. you so much. I mean, this is perfect timing with National Burn Awareness mm -hmm. Week and mm -hmm. um like I said, I, I know some folks in our community know about the ABA, but there's others who don't. So, you know, this is a really great opportunity to educate what you do, both, you know, in your professional role, but also with ABA as well. So we appreciate you coming on. I know, I'm sure you have such a busy schedule. So I appreciate you finding the time to meet with me uh, and record. Yeah, it's been worth it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's go to our two final questions. So okay. for our... You're making me nervous now. There are two questions that we always ask each um, guest on every okay. season. So, but today is the first episode of season four. So All I right. did change them up a little bit. I swear they're easy. I promise. Okay. <laughs> um, so the first one is, what is something that you would want caregivers and loved ones of survivors to know? 
caregivers and loved ones of survivors. Okay. Um, um, really folk, well, um, two words, time and patience. That, I think that's the most important thing that I could tell them is just give things time and be patient. Easy to say. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's, that's really good advice. And it's short and sweet. I love it. Um, so our final question today, it is our Phoenix partner question, which today is sponsored by Allosource, one of the largest human tissue suppliers providing life-saving skin allografts. So the question from them is, what is one thing that always brings a smile to your face, no matter how tough your day has been? Um, getting home and seeing my <laughs> wife and uh, my dog and uh, my son's moved out of the house now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what brings a smile to my face. Yeah. I have a feeling <laughs> dogs are going to be, or like cats or pets in general, yeah. are going to be a common answer to that question. Because yes. uh, even when yeah. I was reading it, I was like, oh, my dog, of course, like always mm. brings a smile to my face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Dr. Cartado, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, this has been such a lovely podcast. Um, like I said earlier, I appreciate you finding the time um, to record this episode. So again, thank you. Oh, you're, you're welcome. And thank you for the invitation. It's been, it, I've had fun. This was a really fun interview. So. Thank Good. You. I hope I, I hope the two final questions are easy, too. I, oh, I, I swear. I was, See? <laughs> thought it was going to be maybe a trick question, my favorite, <laughs> favorite movie that, or book or something. <laughs> now you're giving me some good ideas to throw yeah. on like a trick question there at the yeah. end. So yeah. maybe I'll surprise the next guest right. uh, with one of those. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And just a final reminder, it is National Burn Awareness Week. So be sure to check out the American Burn Association for resources, tips, advice, and more. So again, thank you. Um, and check us out on the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.